Before Rajiv speaks, we're going to have a scripture reading from Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. So you can turn in your Bibles or you can also see it up on the screen. Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were with them without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out that the Lord sent a prophet who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. May God bless the reading of his word. And now, Rajiv, if you'll come up. Very good morning to each and every one of you. Uh, Edel asked me to speak uh, today and tomorrow and on Wednesday, and I thought that uh, I will speak to you these uh, three days about Gideon. And uh, uh, Gideon, uh, his biography is found in uh, Judges chapter 6, uh, 7, and 8. Uh, now, uh, uh, in Judges chapter 6, uh, Gideon comes in at around verse 11, but Scripture has given us some background context uh, of what it was like in Israel for the first ten verses of Judges chapter 6, and that is what I will like to look at today. The book of Judges, it recounts um, Israel's history as they uh, went into the land of promise, um, and it is a very sad record of their idolatry, of their disobedience to God, and also it tells us how they repented and came back to God. And the same cycle they did over and over again. And in those days, uh, in, during the time of the judges, anarchy was the order of the day in Israel. And it is stated more than once, uh, you can see in Judges chapter 20, 21 and verse 25, uh, it states this verse more than once in Judges that every man did that was right in his own eyes. So no one was following the law. They were all doing as they wished. 
And in the midst of all this spiritual chaos, uh, Gideon, he was a stalwart for God. He was uh, a man of faith. Uh, he was one of the, the great examples that have been set for us in the scriptures. Um, in uh, Hebrews 11 verse 32, it tells us that time would uh, fail to tell of Gideon. Uh, he did many great things, but there wasn't enough space to tell of everything that Gideon did. And so, uh, let us take a look at this man. Uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. The first thing that I wanted uh, you to notice is that his exploits are uh, um, portrayed here in this uh, passage. And in verse 1 we see, it says there, the children of Israel did evil. The children of Israel did evil. You see, this particular evil that the children of Israel were doing was idolatry. Idolatry. Uh, they had ignored God's commands. In fact, in verse 10, uh, in your Bibles, you would see that uh, they were in with the gods of the Amorites. In verse 25, you will see that um, they were worshipping Baal. Uh, uh, and so, out of the Ten Commandments, the first two commandments, the Israelites were not following. And you see, the same thing, there's a parallel for us to learn a lesson for today. Because um, these Old Testament commandments are also repeated in the New Testament. In 1 John 5.1, in 1 John 5.21, it says, Little children, keep yourself from idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, modern idolatry is not the same like the Israelites um, endured. Uh, we may not be worshipping um, bronze statues and things like that, but the idols of sports show business, uh, we could have idols in drinks, drugs. There is many things that keep us away from God. And uh, these things that we have in the world all around us are competing with the Lord Jesus Christ for our hearts. Uh, and you see the lure of these things that are flashy, uh, it is there to tempt us and to take us away from God. And the children of Israel in those days, they were in the same position. They were doing evil in the sight of God, and it was idolatry. And let us also be aware that that same evil is round about us today. Let us make sure that everything that we do, let us make sure that we check to see uh, whether this is an idol that is taking too much of our time away from the Lord. Now, the second thing I want you to notice is also in verse 1, it says, in the sight of the Lord. In the sight of the Lord. You see, our God that we worship is El Roy. He is the God who sees. You see, on occasions, 
this is a great encouragement to us because when we fall into trouble, he is watching. He knows what is happening to his children. For example, in Mark 6:48, we see the example of the disciples were rowing. And it says there in that verse that he saw them toiling in rowing. He saw them. So you see, he is the God that sees. And then uh, uh, at other times, it is chilling for us to realize that he is a God who is watching at all times. We are under his constant scrutiny. For example, uh, the church at Sardis. Uh, he says that he, he exposed their false reputation. In Revelation 3 verse 1, he says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. They were pretending that they were alive, but God could see that they were a dead church. You see, you notice those words there? I know. So you see, the God that we worship is a God who sees whether we do good things or whether we do bad things. He's constantly watching our every actions. And just keep in mind this lesson, that whether you do good or whether you do evil, it is always in the sight of our Lord. So here we see the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. God was watching. Next, I want you to notice this also in verse 1. It says that the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. The Lord delivered them. You see, it was God who took the initiative when they were disobeying God. You see, his intervention, I'm sure, was unwelcome. They did not want it. But it did prove that the children of Israel were in a relationship with him. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So the children of Israel were in a relationship with him. He loved them. And so when they were worshipping false gods, when they were doing evil in his sight, he had to chasten them. And... You know this quotation, the Lord whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That was a quotation that came from Solomon's pen. I'd like you to have a look at this. If you don't mind turning in your Bibles, please. Uh, this will not be on the screen. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. This is where the quotation from Hebrews came from, uh, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the, lover, the Lord loveth, he corrected, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. You see, uh, our wanderings and our rebellion, they invite divine chastisement. You may wonder, why is it that I'm going through this terrible chastening in my life? But you see, it proves that God loves you. It proves that he has a relationship with you. Because if he loves you, 
he will chasten you. And all of us sin, all of us, me included, we have idols that we worship at various times in our lives. And God will take action when we put these idols before him. Now, the next thing I want you to notice, the next lesson, is also found in verse 1. It says there that the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Seven years. You see that divine discipline is always measured. It was to be seven years and seven years exactly. You see, in every circumstance, God always sets a boundary. He will not have you tested beyond what you can bear. And um, he, for example, he set a boundary when Job was tested. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Job chapter 1. This is also not on the screen, so if you don't mind turning with me, please. Job chapter 1, I want to show you here that God limited Satan in his treatment of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. You see, God allows Satan to chastise us, but he stays in control. You see, he says, you can have him only upon himself. Don't put your hand. So God allows chastisement, but he stays in control. He controls the amount of chastisement that we can bear. The saints at Smyrna, they were promised uh, tribulation for 10 days and not a minute longer. Revelation 2.10. You see, let us be heartened that we have a God who deals with us justly. In that he is faithful, he will not let you suffer. In 1 Corinthians 10.13 it says, he will not suffer you to be tempted about what you are able to be to bear. So, uh, here we have, uh, uh, going back to Judges chapter 6, here we have the children of Israel. They had gone away from the Lord. They had done evil in His sight. The Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. He was going to use Midian to chastise them. But it was only to be for seven years because God was in control. Now, On this occasion, God's instrument of judgment was Midian, and uh, the ambition was to destroy the land. And uh, the Midianites came in great numbers, where it tells us that they were like grasshoppers, the Bible tells us. Uh, And we can see that in verse 3 to 6 in uh, Judges chapter 6. Now, In the book of Judges, there are many different enemies that face the Lord's people. And uh, every enemy conveys a different aspect of the truth. And uh, we don't have time to go into that here. But uh, in this instance, the enemy is Midian. Uh, 
And Midian means strife. God allowed strife to come into the presence of the children of Israel. If you remember Moses, the very first thing that Moses did when he fled from Egypt was that he entered the land of Midian. And if you look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, you will see that as soon as he arrived in the land of Midian, the first thing that Moses faced was strife. He sat by the well and there came shepherds to chase them away. Midian brings strife into the land and that's what God was allowing for the children of Israel. Now, the first results of what strife, when strife comes into the land uh, or strife comes into the people, we find here the first thing is in verse 2 is that fear comes in. We see here that the people were like fugitives. They were hiding in dens and caves, the verse tells us. You see, um, uh, when there is hostility among God's people or when there is strife, it generates a feeling of apprehension among the people. Uh, Opponents can carry an uh, aggressive attitude. It can create nervous tension among the people. And here we see that the people were filled with fear and they had gone away to hide. Even in the New Testament, we see examples such as this. Evidently, Timothy, he was alarmed that he was entering a war zone at Corinth because uh, Paul had to say to them in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 10, see that he may be with you without fear. Paul knew that there will be fear in the midst and he was telling them to look after Timothy. So commotion among the people is far from God's intention because he is a God of order and peace. But when strife comes in, this is one of the things that happens. The second effect when strife comes into the land or Midian is first one is fear. The second one is famine. It tells us in verse 4, in verse 4 it tells us that there was no sustenance. No sustenance. You see, and then it says, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. And as if to emphasize the grim effects of Midian, we are told in verse 6 that, you notice the words there, greatly impoverished. So this is how the people of Israel were suffering when God brought discipline into their life. Strife was brought in, Midian was brought in, and then they were going to go through all this suffering. Now, when there is no sustenance, when there is no sustenance, as you see in verse 4, no sustenance means it robs God's people of their spiritual food. Uh, they have no way of feeding themselves from the word. Then have a look in uh, verse 4 again. It says right there at the end, no sustenance for Israel. And then it says, neither sheep. You see, no sheep was left for them. What does this mean? It tells us that the fact that the sheep were plundered meant that there was no resources for the altar. 
You see, so strife, it affects the worship of the saints. When we sin, when we worship other idols, we have nothing to offer to God. The sheep is taken away, so we have no, nothing to offer God. And God is deprived of his dues. And then uh, oxen, it says there, next, no oxen. Oxen speaks of service. You see, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4, it tells us that much increase uh, is by the strength of the ox. And the strength from the ox is what gives the people the strength for service. And strife, it has a negative effect on Christian service. When you worship other idols and are away from God, you will never be able to serve him properly. You see, it took cooperation on the part of many partners to land the fish in Luke chapter 5 verse 7. And then in the same chapter, you will see it took men working together in harmony uh, to bring a soul to Christ in verse 18. And then in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27, it says that, to be striving together for the faith of the gospel, it tells us. You see, if we want to be uh, having a great effect for God, for bringing people to Christ, we have to have the strength, we have to have the oxen, and only then we can strive together. You see, and uh, this should be the goal of every church, then only the gospel can go forth. So when we allow idols to come into our life, it also takes uh, impinges on our ability to serve him together. And then finally, uh, the fourth point here is that there was no asses. This speaks to us. The, uh, it tells us that there were no asses left in the land because of the Midianites coming in. And these, mean, these beasts were the mode of transport. They were the, the way in which you could go from place to place. And the presence of Midian meant that the children of Israel were going nowhere. So, when you allow the Midianites strife to come into your midst, when you allow God to chastise you, then you will see that it impinges on your Christian service. Now, I want, you to, I want to bring you to the part of how he delivered the people from this. And the first steps to deliverance are this. In verse 6, we are told that the people were greatly impoverished, which means in some verses, versions of the Bible, it says that they were brought very low. You see, on occasions, God allows people to sink to the very depths of despair before he raises them up. Uh, in uh, the prodigal son is a story that we all know. And before he was brought to repentance, he was allowed to become penniless. He was allowed to become starving. Uh, his mind was tortured with shame. In fact, the psalmist sums it all up in a very beautiful verse in Psalm 116. Verse 6, it says, I was brought low and he helped me. I was brought low 
and he helped me. You see, God sometimes manages his erring people in this way. Jonah, in his prayer in uh, Jonah chapter 2, indicates that he was down at the very depths of despair before he was restored. And you see, when we who are his children have given our lives to him, but when we lose our focus from the Lord, when we do evil in his sight, this is what happens in our lives. You see, I'm just uh, illustrating to you uh, what the scripture is saying. Uh, This is exactly what was happening in Gideon's time. And then uh, uh, he allowed them to go to the very depths and then he brought them up. Verse 6 tells us two things. Firstly, it tells us about their condition. They were greatly impoverished. Secondly, it tells us about their cry. The children of Israel cried unto the Lord. You see, this is a feature of how we are able to come out of this problem that we are in. The children of Israel had already been through this problem before. In fact, if you don't mind turning with me, please, to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. When they were in Egypt, they had already cried out to the Lord. Exodus 3 verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrow, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. You see, this was where salvation came upon the children of Israel. He heard their cry, he brought them out. Then what happened? They came into the land, and then they started worshipping other idols. They were prosperous, they were having all kinds of oxen, sheep, everything that they could possibly want, but they turned their eyes to the Amorite idols and to Baal. And the same thing, my brother, my sister, happens to us today, myself included. We were all saved. He brought us out. But we see the good things around us sometimes, and we lose our focus. We lose our focus, we take our eyes away from the Lord, and we have other idols like sports, like the idols of show business. We can even turn to drinking or drugs or smoking. There are so many things that are there to compete with our Lord for our attention. And when we allow these things to creep into our life, what happens is that God allows strife, Midian, to come into our life. He's because he, why? Because he loves us. Whom he loves, he chastens. So if you're wondering, why is it that I'm going through some chastisement of, I don't know what each one of you are going through in your life. I'm only just talking generally. But if you're wondering why God allows this to happen in your lives, well, it's because he loves you. And if you want to come out of this, then you have to do what they did in verse 6. They cried unto the Lord. When they were in Egypt, they cried unto him. He saw them being beaten by the Egyptian slave masters. And he came and rescued them, brought them salvation. Then they went away from him again. And so if you hear his cry, 
he will come and restore you back to himself. James 4.8, a very apt verse. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Whatever stage you are at in your life, my brother, my sister, I encourage you to draw nigh to him this morning. When you draw nigh to him, you will see that he will come close to you and he will answer your cry. Whenever they cried, there was a response from heaven. And what did God do? Well, we see it in verse 7 and 8. In verse 8, the Lord sent a prophet. An unnamed prophet. We are not told his name. And God comes down to rescue them. Now, God's message to them from the prophet had two parts. It was a two-pronged reminder. First thing, he reminded them about the blessings from the past. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I have brought you up from Egypt and delivered you forth out of the house of bondage. He reminded them of the wonderful things God had done for them in the past. Hasn't he done wonderful things in our lives from the day we gave him our lives? How grateful we need to be to him. Because that gratefulness had gone from their hearts, that is the reason that they started to go to these other idols. If you want recovery in your life, my brother, my sister, recovery involves a reminder of your spiritual starting point. Go back to where it all began, where you got that first love for our Lord. You see, Hezekiah and Josiah, they were at the heart of revivals in their times. And uh, in their cases, they had to go back and remember the Passover. And this was vital in their restoration. And, you know, memories of how we got salvation, memories of how the Lord and what he did for us, they should stir our hearts to be close to him. You remember Thomas, when the Lord showed him his hands and he saw the wounds, that is what brought Thomas closer to God. He said, my God and my Lord. And uh, in a similar way, we sing the song, Jesus keep me near the cross. You see, when we are close to the Lord, when we are close to the cross, there will be no room for other idols to come into our life and take our attention away from God. And then chastisement will not need to come. So, um, uh, you see, the second blessing that uh, the unnamed prophet mentions here, firstly, he reminds them that uh, they had been brought out of the land. Second thing, the prophet tells them is that God has gifted them, given them a gift of land. And you see that in verse 9. Right at the end of verse 9, he says, And I gave you their land. God gave them a gift when he brought them out. Everything that we have is a gift from God. You see, um, uh, they have forgotten that. In fact, uh, let's just quickly remind ourselves, Joshua chapter 24, just a few pages back, please. Joshua chapter 24, reading from verse 11. Joshua 24, reading from verse 11. 
And he went over Jordan and came into Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and so on, and I delivered them into your hand. Um, uh, yes, I'm sorry, I'm just moving on. Okay, verse 13. And I have given you a land for which he did not labor. He, in the first few verses, he delivered them. And then in verse 13, he gave the land for which they did not labor. It was a gift. You see, sometimes we look around us, we get comfortable. We see a nice car in the driveway, we see a nice house around us. We start to give ourselves glory and praise. It happens to me as well. And we think, look at what I have achieved, look at what I have done. And when these thoughts come into our mind, that is the time we start drifting away from God and these other idols have room to come into our lives. We have to always remember that he gifted them the land. Everything that we have is ours. So here the unnamed prophet, he comes and shows them the way to restoration. The way to restoration was, he reminded them how they were brought out of the land. He reminded them that everything they have is from God. They were gifted it. He needs to be given the glory. We need to take the glory away from ourselves. Give him all the honor. Give him the rightful place where he belongs. And then we will see true joy in our lives. Then we will see the blessings of Christ in us. And so... <clears throat> Uh, here the prophet reminds, reminds them of the grace of God in saving them. And then he reminds of them of the goodness of God. He gave them the land in blessing them with an inheritance. And this is being used to arouse them with thoughts about what they need to do to repent. And so the challenge to us this morning is very simple. Before we get to Gideon and before we see how God used him mightily and God can use us just like he used Gideon, that's what we are going to see in the next two days. First, we need to put our house in order. Put our house in order before God used men like Gideon. You see, the children of Israel had to do that. And <clears throat> you notice in verse 10, uh, this is the accusation that God had against them. Ye have not obeyed my voice. In every syllable there, there is a reproach when God is talking. So the children of Israel had gone away from God. And <clears throat> I just want to remind you what we have looked at this morning. The first thing is that they did evil. They worshipped other idols. Second thing, we need to remind ourselves that this evil was in the sight of the Lord. He's always watching us. Don't think that we can get away with anything. Good or bad, he's watching all the time. He sees. He saw the disciples toiling in rowing. He came to rescue them. Thirdly, I want you to remember that it was he who delivered them into the hand of the Midians. It was not some bad luck or some chance punishment. No, it was God punishing them. Why? Because whom he loveth, he chasteneth. 
So if you're going through some turmoil in your life, don't worry, my brother, my sister. It's divinely appointed. He is, if you're his child, he's personally supervising it. And then next I want you to remember, he says for seven years the punishment was going to last. That means he knows exactly how much you can bear. Not one minute longer will he allow you to suffer. And then remember the, the lessons of uh, what happened when they went away from the Lord. Strife, Midian came in and how there was no uh, sustenance, no sheep. They couldn't worship, no oxen, no strength, no asses, no transport. They couldn't move around to serve God. And then their condition and their cry, how they cried out unto the Lord. And then the unnamed prophet came and gave them the answer to their problems. Remember, remind yourself how you first came to the Lord. Remember how much you owe him. Remember that he is the one who gave you everything that you have. He gave you the land. He gave you everything that you have. When this gratefulness comes into your heart and you draw closer to him, then that restoration will come in your life and we will be able to enjoy a closer relationship with him. Now, tomorrow, uh, we are going to look at the portion from uh, verses 11 to 24. If you have time, please read it. Gideon, he seemed like an unlikely candidate for God's service. His father worshipped Baal, his family was among the poorest in that nation. And on his own, he was of little consequence from a poor family. But God used him mightily for his service. And God can use you too mightily in his service. We will look at that tomorrow and day after. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Our Father, we thank thee for these few moments that thou hast given for us to go through the life of Gideon. We thank thee, our Father, for scripture, which is there for our learning and for the lessons that we can learn from it, our Father. And we pray that each of us, that we will be focused on thee, that we will draw near to thee, that we will give you the first place in our life, that we will not leave room for other idols to come into our life, our Father, and that we will be those that, like Gideon, can be used greatly by thee. So our Father, we ask that thou now part us with thy blessings. We ask this all in this precious and worthy and matchless name of that altogether lovely one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.